Welcome to Spotty on Shares, the program which covers the main market news of the day. And we get to answer your questions, of course, with our chief spotter. And we do encourage you to go to our website at spotty.com.au to see which chief spotter is appearing on the show next so you can ask an area relevant to the area of expertise. So text us 0480-079-089 or you can email us question at spotty.com. So let's bring in today's Chief Spotter, and it's the great man, David Novak from Wealthwise Education. G'day, David. How are you doing? Great, Elio. How are you? Yeah, fantastic. Even better now that you're on. Of course, it's the first time you're on our uh, newer, shorter uh, format. So why don't you quickly tell us a little bit about your background, and then more importantly, how you help investors every single day? Yeah, thanks, Elio. Um, well, I'm a market veteran of, uh, geez, approaching nearly 40 years now in the markets and um, I've been educating people about the, the markets and how to be a successful investor using both um, uh, charting or technicals we call it and timing is everything is what I've discovered in my time and also uh, fundamental combining the two the financial health of companies and their cash flow so putting those two together is a very powerful formula that we teach people how to be successful and also how to use options or called derivatives option strategies to protect your downside risk, especially in today's market where that's down, uh, there's a lot of red on the screen. So um, great opportunity to uh, take protection. I actually did uh, a couple of days ago. So how to make money when the market goes down, how to protect your portfolio and how to trade options, basically. And you've got a, a session coming up uh, on the weekend on 19th and 20th of June, actually, where you'll be talking about how to trade options if anyone's interested. And then I think the following yep. week, you've got the uh, combining technicals and fundamentals together to become a better investor on the 26th and 27th. And just before the end of financial year as well, I noticed too, David, well Great. done there. But uh, where can folks go to uh, learn a little bit more about those upcoming sessions? Uh, just go to our website, uh, wealthwiseeducation.com. So that's wealthwiseeducation.com. That's the website there. Those events will be there. Just click on that and go through. So currently, as David alluded to, it's a sea of red today. <laughs> Definitely one of those ones you wish you could just close the laptop computer, but then you keep looking. You can't help it. But nonetheless, the XJO down 1.8% at the moment as we go to air. The All Ordinary is down 1.7%. So let's get into the main news stories of today. And I'm going to start with the big news. And David, you'll have to excuse me here because I'll take this one. It's EML Payments, Code EML, who told us that the Irish regulator has identified anti-money laundering issues with prepaid financial services, the business it acquired last year at a discount. But back then they said it was because of COVID. Don't know whether this was related. But the issues are deemed to be significant enough to warrant further investigation. And of course, EML has obviously said that they're happy to participate. Now, the share price fell to $2.66 on the open. It did reach a low of $2.47, but it's since recovered. Um, it's still down significantly, though, just currently here, having looked down 38% to $3.17. Now, um, investors note, though, that there could be some eerie similarities between our good friends at Slater and Gordon when they entered the UK market and got blindsided by regular, uh, regulation issues. Now, the company's told us that the business uh, under question accounts for around 27% of its revenues, which is significant, though it did say that its Australian and US businesses are unaffected. But of course, these regulators do like to talk to each other, so it's a bit early to suggest that this would be over. Uh, we need to remember, of course, that our banks face similar scrutiny for allowing transactions between criminals and the like, uh, and they survived. 
but of course, EML is no bank. Uh, further to that, Tom Cregan selling back in April to close some margin calls were an issue for some. Uh, and prepaid financial has form in this, encountering le- uh, regulatory issues in France a few years back. So what other skeletons could be in the closet, really? So what now? Well, of course, um, Bernie, this is for you. Um, I do have faith in the business, but I once said that EML was a never sell business. Well, that has now changed. My thinking on the stock is now to preserve the capital that I do have, uh, which I'm still up significantly from my initial purchases, I might add, even after today's decline. So $2.66 on today's open is my new level of stop loss from here on in. And I'll be... moving that up progressively because, of course, there are still a few unknowns. It'll most likely be a little higher at tonight's close, Um, you know, so I'll be managing this one quite uh, carefully. The important thing for me to note, though, is that it's only one of many stocks that I hold in my portfolio. And while it's never fun, its overall impact on my net wealth is low. So I'll live to fight another day, uh, but we just keep an eye on it. And if the company is just slapped with a fine, then this price will be cheap. Uh, Anything worse, well, my stop loss will hopefully cover um, that. And I'm sure that's a topic we're going to talk about a little bit, David, uh, today. More information to come. I want to go to a better news story, though. Appen, who has had a torrid time in the past, David, its share price has been walloped from its all-time highs. Uh, But it's undergoing a business restructure um, because its uh, key divisions are now becoming quite definitive and giving them a specific focus on the AI technology. The company has also said that it's going to start producing its reports in US dollars, given 90% of funds come from there. And the company also told us that year-to-date revenue plus orders in hand were approximately 260 US million dollars, uh, which is uh, pretty much in line with what they had told us back in February. The stock is up 13.4% on the back of that news to $12.75. David, is this a relief rally? Um, what sort of price action uh, would you want to uh, confirm that the uh, recent sell-off it's been experiencing has now ended? Uh, look, Elliot, uh, yeah, as you said, it's been uh, pretty horrible, but this has been a pretty horrible trend since the peak around November, December last year, and it's just been down one way from, you know, highs of around $37 odd there down to where it is there, about $12.70 today. Look, it hasn't given me technically a buy signal yet. Um, that does look like it's trying to find a bottom down here, but look, the moving averages are still below um, the 50-day moving average, the price action is still below the 50-day moving uh, price action average. So for that reason alone, and I, I haven't seen a change in trend yet, um, I would still keep this on my watch list. I do like the company. I like the business. Mm. Um, but I, I really uh, would not be rushing to buy it yet until I see signs of a change of trend and uh, cross above that 50-day moving average, which is not evident right now. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that many of us do like it as a business, but we've steer cleared because of that pretty ugly trend. And yeah, one day doesn't change that narrative. So it's always important to remember that, folks. Uh, Eagers Automotive, actually, uh, they told us uh, that uh, they're in a strong financial position, which we would expect. They've had a very strong car market, which we already knew, of course. They um, told us that uh, they expect underlying operating profit uh, to be around the $98 million Mark for the uh, quarter end 31, 31st of March. It's seeing unusually strong market dynamics, uh, no doubt, because the government's immediate asset write off scheme is now extended to 2023. So business conditions are really good for Eager's Automotive. But David, one that's had very different um, business conditions has been Webjet, code WEB, of course. Uh, they provided an update to shareholders today, telling them the obvious that last year was tough. However, business conditions have rebounded somewhat. 
Um, as at the end of uh, April, their uh, plane booking system really is, uh, well, that's around 95% compared to April 2019 levels. So that's um, pre the real impact of COVID. Uh, their web beds is currently sitting at 83% of where they were previously. And really, it's only the car and motorhome business, um, the rental there, that's uh, suffering where that's only 48% of their pre-COVID levels, obviously, as border closures in New Zealand bite. Um didn't stop them recording a pretty disastrous result, though, even though there's been a rebound. What do you make of Webjet at the moment, David? Oh, look, uh, you know, just the trend again is not looking great here. Um, it's fallen from those highs uh, that we saw back in um, uh, between March, uh, middle, of, middle of March, by the looks of it. Yeah. And um, they're fallen down to, I must say, a huge support level where the stock rallied very strongly there from, from mid-February. Where it is now, four dollars sixty up to about six dollars twenty-five, and now it's back to that level, four dollars sixty. So it really needs to to hold this level that we're seeing right at the moment. Um, so look, I'd wait for the dust to settle on this one and see a turnaround in their their cash flow, their earnings. Um, so there's no rush, but it is at a critical support level here. So this needs to to hold at this four sixty, four fifty level. That's right. But I wouldn't okay. be rushing. Wouldn't yeah, be rushing I mean, not. Yeah, it was sort of baffling for many people when we saw it go up as strongly as it did go, uh, but it's sort of uh, eased back a little bit and I think down another 1.5%, unfortunately. I just lost uh, my little connection there, but I'll get that back up and running the, in a moment. Yeah, GED Education. Uh, well, they told us that occupancy at their centres is currently sitting at around 70.8%, which is actually 3.3% lower than what they were at their pre-COVID levels. Um, though they have seen some improvement since February uh, when it did that big write down, of course, uh, mainly due to a pickup in regional demand. Uh, CBD still an issue, but they've only got uh, a few centres there, they said. Um, they have generally a positive tone in regards to their announcement, particularly uh, in regards to um, you know uh, the business turnaround because there's still uh, quite uh, some time to go uh, in and around that. Um, Look, I suppose in regards to this uh, G8 education, David, you know, childcare centres was once one of the darlings. It's had a pretty dark history itself, talking about big, big collapses and the like. And this one here was a classic roll-up strategy that eventually when the music stopped, it sort of found trouble finding something else to go into. What do you think of G8 education at the moment? And um, what would you be looking for um, as a bit of education for everyone before considering investing in it? Well, uh, I'd, I'd hate to sound like a broken record, Elio, but um, you know uh, the trend is not the trend is not your friend again. This is one of the biggest things I've learned over many years, and I educate um, investors about is you know you, timing again. It comes back to timing, and when you've got a trend that's going down like this, and the other two stocks we just talked about, you know you, you just don't try and what we the old saying is don't try and catch a falling knife here. You've got to wait for the market sentiment to turn from, you know, bearish sentiment or pessimistic sentiment back to to bullish or optimistic sentiment. And right now, that's not the case with uh, G8 Education. It's testing um, an important support level here at 97 cents. Um, again, if it breaks this level, it's got further downside. Um, so it's not a buy purely on the technical uh, foundation. And like I said, it's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is when people try to buy at the bottom or try and pick the bottom is when you lose the most money or average down even worse. So that's one of the things, the lessons I've learned not to do. 
and this is certainly the case here as well. Well, let's bring in then our little education corner that we normally put towards the end of the program and bring it um, forward a little bit because I think it ties in quite well with what you just said then in regards to having um, the importance really or the critical importance of having a technical entry and exit strategy because, of course, we've just seen with regards to EML and I might add that on the technical side that you did have some red flags as well even prior to that announcement, but I ignore them because... I believed in the business in this instance here, but it's uh, hurt me in, in this case. But in regards to um, that, you know, obviously it can't be, we're not fund managers. We don't have to invest multi-million dollars that lock, get us locked away in a business forever. We really do have flexibility in regards to the allocation of our capital, David. So why is it that it is so critically important to have a technical entry and exit strategy on top of your fundamental overview? Bottom line, to not lose money. <laughs> I mean, you know, what's Buffett's first rule is don't lose money, don't lose your capital. His second rule is follow the first rule. Mm. <laughs> so basically, how do you avoid that? Well, risk management, as you're saying, you don't never put all your eggs in one basket. That's number one. Um, you know, have a diversify your risk out. Don't have it all in one sector. Uh, but look, again, coming back to the educational component, um, the number one thing that I've learned uh, that's invaluable is um, understanding trends, knowing when to buy, and most importantly, when to exit. Most, I would say 80 to 90%, at least 80% of investors out there, even traders, don't have a clearly defined exit strategy. Mm. And that's one of the problems. They don't say, okay, well, if it goes down, regardless, look, we, uh, you know, been looking at markets for ages and what's the thing, you know, you can look at fundamentals and then, you, you know, try and understand, you know, why is the stock going up like we've talked about many times after pay, you know, um, you know, watching after pay go up and up. And if you look at purely the fundamentals, you can't understand the valuation of well, I can't. Nevertheless, the trend was up now. Now it's turned around and the trend is down on after pay. So if you didn't get out, particularly the exit, at, for example, after pay was you had to sell at $100 no matter what. Uh, if you didn't get out at that point, well, you know, that's where investors, um, you know, uh, learned hard lessons like I have in the past. That's one of my biggest lessons is not having an exit strategy and knowing what line in the sand do you actually exit or sell. So nothing more important than that and how to manage risk. So okay. That's what it's all about. Well, we'll be really interested in your view in regards to this next business because it has been going in a straight line northeast. It's one of the favourites of the show. Uh, Mark has actually asked the question. Would like uh, your view, David, in regards to Unity Group moving forward. The code is UWL for those playing along at home involved in the telco space and the infrastructure uh, to make it all work. So what do you think in regards to UWL, David? Well, this has been on a, uh, like, as you said, now here's, this is a, what, what a heck of a uh, uptrend we've got here now. Um, I can my views on the valuation is it's rich, you know, up here. I mean, uh, infrastructure is an area that I'm definitely uh, bullish about. That's one sector. But the only problem I've got with the the stock here is the valuation. I think it's very richly priced up here. And um, I'm just having a quick look uh, at UWL now. But again. Um, Again, it's just that the trend is your friend right now, so it's stick with it. To me, you do not want to hold this stock if it closes below $2.55 um, by the looks of it. 
that's that's the 50-day moving average. So it's following the 50-day moving average beautifully up here. Um, so it's a hold, but I wouldn't be rushing to buy this stock purely based on the, the, the fundamentals. When I look at, you know, uh, 39, 40 times earnings multiple, you know, um, if, you, if you look at their last earnings report, for example, the net profit after tax for the half year, I think was about 17 million. Now, they would love to report it's 400% increase, but if you're for a half yearly result, 17 million on a valuation of nearly 2 billion company, uh, that's pretty rich. In, uh, now, impressive earnings growth, but it's all, you know, you're pricing a lot in this stock fundamentally, but the trend is your friend. So you stick with it until it changes. And to me, that would be that level of $2.55 would be the exit point. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, David. A uh, question here from Philip, actually. He asked about a company by the name of American Borite, which is the code ABR. And, you know, the talk about stocks that have a big pullback. Well, this is one that did so when they announced that they're going to be delaying production from its four candy uh, Borate operation. And he just wants to know whether it's an opportunity possibly to consider that uh, that now. Well, Look, you know, um, under the current plan, they're going to be EBITDA uh, profitable. Um, they're not going to do so till a phase three of the plan. So this is only phase one that they're working on. There's phase three to come through yet. They are assessing their options. Um, they have also delayed their listing in the US um, and the search for a US-based CEO and CFO continues. So uh, the resource is the same. That's not going to really change. Perhaps the market is worried about what else you know, it will uncover in regards to what's occurring there. Um, it was a bit of a shock, as you can see, by that big pullback in price. I think you'd want some certainty there before considering ABR as a possible opportunity. Uh, David, a question comes from John. Would like to know a TA uh, and fee, uh, FA uh, view on uh, Shriro, which is SHM. Uh, and therefore, uh, given you've uh, got a foot in both camps, what's your view in regards to SHM at the moment, David? Uh, look, there's some of the impressive numbers, growth numbers here. I'm um, just, uh, just having a quick look yep. at it. Um, look, the revenue was up 11%. The e earnings before interest tax depreciation up 79%. Statutory tax profit after tax was up 180% to 18 million. Uh, look, it's a small market cap by the looks of it. I mean, the, the market capitalization of this company is only 92 million. So that's, that's pretty good, you know, for... Um, for a company generating profit after tax of 18 and before tax 32 million. So that's not expensive. And, you know, the earnings growth have been impressive. So for my money, and even technically speaking, the trend is moving up, you know, had a big sharp pullback here, profit taking about March, April, down to about 80 cents, moved up to a dollar recently, pulled back slightly. Now it's moving back up, it's 96 cents. So, you know, again, this, this trend is, is positive, uh, well and truly above the 50 day moving average, um, I would have a stop loss below 90 cents. Um, so, but it looks good to me. I, I mean, I like this and um, I would not be adverse to buying it and holding it at all. This, uh, this is a big tick on my um, technicals and fundamentals, both combined. There you go. Excellent. Hopefully that provides you with a, a bit of guidance there, John. Um, we then had a question from uh, Clevis who asked about Gnosis code N, uh, sorry, uh, K-N-O. Uh, he basically wants to know, is it a specy? Well, the answer is yes and no. No, because look, it finally made a maiden profit at its half year result. Its acquisition of Green Orbit is contributing revenue. It's got cash in the bank. 
and it has paying customers as well. Um, and annual recurring revenue is expected to grow strongly if you look at what the company puts in its graphs. Now, yes, because it's a liquid, so you always got to remember that, and it's only got a market cap of some $26 million. So it's another software as a service uh, business which is designed to help organisations, and there's a ton of those in the market at the moment. So they've got to be doing something special to get any real strong um, activity there. The other thing I note is that the CEO earns a tenth of all revenue as a wage, but not that anyone cares about that these days anyway. Um, look, so there's some good signs, um, but, you know, you're getting in early, so you've got to understand there's risks because of that, and really that's why it's only 12 and a half cents. Uh, no real other reason other than it's just, um, you know, a little bit of uncertainty moving forward. But, yeah, good luck to them. We hope they do well. Joseph has asked, uh, David, for you in regards to Velmec. The code is VMX. He likes the sector. It's an engineering business, a servicing um, engineering business. So uh, what's your view in regards to VMX? Because its share price has done relatively well over the past year. Yeah, look, um, I don't mind VMX. Again, the, the trend is positive, which is great. Um, you know, they're financially strong. They're, the earnings don't shoot the lights out for me. Um, look, it's on a high multiple. It's a very small market cap valuation of 40 million, and it's fairly illiquid. In fact, uh, the average daily dollar turnover per day, and you can see it on the chart, is $23,000. Not much. So, yeah. look, <clears throat> you know, uh, if you've got it, you hold it, it's positive. Um, I would not want to hold it if it falls below 30 cents on any volume, but the thing about this, this stock can move up quite a bit. It needs to break above, you know, to go higher around 35 cents. But look, it's a positive trend. Uh, last time it got up here, it pulled back, but it's holding trend up here. Um, so 35 upside needs to break, and 30 cents is your downside limit. You know, you want to sell if it gets below that on any volume. But again, liquidity is the biggest problem with this stock in 40 million market cap. Uh, excellent, excellent. Look, it's uh, time for us to uh, shine the light in a moment uh, there. Uh uh, David, no, we went a little early with the sting there, Mike, but that's okay. He's still employed. Uh, I'll answer a quick question from Adeline, though, who asked about Oventus. The code is OVM. Uh, Oventus is developing, well, another sleep apnea device that's less intrusive than the big old ResMed and Fisher and Paykel uh, reverse cycle machines there they got. Look, they keep signing research agreements, but for all intensive purposes, they've actually got a product they can sell right now. Really what they've got to do is they've just got to sell more and raise less capital. Um, that's the message they need to really heed. It's high risk, uh, and there are many other sleep apnea replacements for the big machines. So be aware with OVN, notwithstanding that it all makes sense and that it's all good, really rubber's got to hit the road now because they do have a product that can get out there, and I'd be looking for some evidence before uh, committing some funds uh, into that one. All right, then, David, now it's time for you to shine the light on two stocks. So we're going to sit there and listen attentively to, and then we're going to tunnel off and do our own research to see whether they align with our own investment objectives and, of course, tolerance to risk. So um, uh, Mitch and Mark, I think it was, uh, pay attention because these ones are for you. Go for it, uh, David. Yeah, well, the first one um, is NRW Holdings. I've mentioned this one before. It's the mining infrastructure company. I can't believe... <laughs> where this stock has fallen to. I mean, you know, the fundamentals of this company are very strong, very solid balance sheet, uh, financially strong. Their earnings multiple is only eight times single digit. And, you know, they had a stellar result. I forget what the profit um, result was, but I think it was up to you know, 69% 69, 69 profit mm. upgrade. Now, 
they uh, growth, and they also uh, took over another company, Primera. So they, you know, they're very diversified infrastructure mining and blasting company, and paying a really nice, fully frank dividend yield of five dollars. Also, I can't believe this; it's come down to a dollar sixty. Now, last time you remember, Elio, when I talked about this particular stock, it was at two dollars in October. Uh, it was uh, one of my buys again on the show went up to $3 by December. Um, now it's broken below $2, which was a key support. That was an exit strategy. Now at, at $1.60, it's very strong down here. So this is a really strong value play, great level to be accumulating. It's not a strong buy at the moment, just the accumulation, but geez, on earnings, um, diversification, they're in the right sector because there's a mining boom. I mean, what's the what's wrong with this story? This is what I mean. It's just like, if anything, this 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 is a bargain. So that's my first one. Okay, the second one I could go on and on, but uh, I've mentioned Grange many times. Grange Resources. The viewers know my bullish view on Grange. When it was 25, 26 cents, it went up to 60 cents. They blew the lights out with their annual result of 200 million. The company's market cap at 53 cents is around 600 million. I would say this quarter they're a high magnetite iron ore producer. With iron ore prices over $200 US a ton, they're making well over $100 profit margin on 2.4, 2.5 million tons they produce. You extrapolate that, they're going to come out with another record result this year, certainly in the half year. They're generating 50 to 70 million profit per quarter. Um, this is outstanding, like 600 million valuation with, they'll probably have 300 million in the bank, cash, no debt. So, you know, astronomical. They'll increase their dividend. Their, their policy is to pay out 25% of their net profit or net cash flow as a dividend. I think they could really, you know, be a bit more generous, actually. Yeah. That's my only criticism, and pay 50%. But anyway, how much more do you want me to say? I don't know. But those, you know, on value, it's ridiculous. It's on a <laughs> PE of three. No, that's <laughs> why we love we, we love you uh, because of that expressive nature. But G, double R, and of course, NWH are the two stocks to shine the light on. And I think just to add further colour to that with GRRR, uh, pallet prices will be much higher than what your normal iron ore st um, uh, spot prices have been. So, yeah, it's going to be a uh, licensed print money. Right. But the good news is the miner, yeah. the market's finally acknowledged it, David. So uh, your efforts haven't been for naught. Uh, and, of course, as were your efforts today, not for naught, because that's all we've got time for today. On behalf of all of you folks, I want to thank David Novak, from Wealthwise Education for his wonderful contribution today. My pleasure, Elio, and to the viewers. And just Anytime. remember, folks, his education session days coming on the 19th and the 20th of June, and then following that, the 26th and 27th. So the first one will be how to use options, and that's particularly useful when you're worried about downside risk. And then, of course, the second one about combining the best of the fundamentals and the technicals, putting them together to create a solid investment strategy. So wealthwiseeducation.com is where you can go to uh, wealthwiseeducation.com. Yeah, that's right, to uh, learn more about that. Thank you again, David. Thanks, okay. okay, well, that's all we've got time for in our spotty week. Can you believe it? It certainly does fly, but we are looking at something to help fill the void. More on that soon, but we're pretty excited uh, because, as you know, I love talking stocks, even on days like this. In the meantime, though, stay tuned to the uh, website, uh, spotty.com.au, to see who will be appearing on the show next week. And if you have a question between now and then, uh, text us 0480 079 089 or email us, question at spotty.com. 
www.sportsbet.com.au. And remember, send through questions appropriate for the guests that does appear on the show. It makes for a far more informative um, session. Until next week, folks, I'm Elio D'Amato. You've been watching the new Spotty, and together we've been shining the spotlight on shares.